Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time to go inside the film room with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry and Scott Seidenberg. It's the Football Film Room Podcast. Hello and welcome inside the Football Film Room alongside veteran scout coach and consultant Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are... 14, 15, 17 days away from the NFL draft. I don't know. My math is not that great. I know it's on the 29th, though, Chris. And a lot of teams are getting very anxious at this point. Yeah, it is. It's um was in a, a couple of meetings today. And, you know, there's big misnomer about that. All oh, this is, you know, kind of what's going on. Teams are just putting their boards together now. And I don't mean they're just like starting they obviously the players, but, but actually putting your boards, people have been working through their position meetings. So some of the positions are set, but the overall boards are uh, not done until these final meetings. When everybody who has had the exposure to the player, the coaches, the scouts are having their chance to have their say. And then when you're done with that position that day, you set the board up that day. And then, What's really complicated issues uh, it, it matters and issues this year is the fact that without the combine, the medicals are the information, the data is a little bit later. So that really affects your draft board and how things work out. So this past weekend is when we normally had what we call the recheck physicals. These are players that were at the combine that, had some issue that needed to be rechecked. Thus, we call it the recheck physical. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So to get an update on it. Well, we didn't have the combine this year, as everyone knows. So we had the medicals where these guys were were there, 64 guys. And so when you get that information, that has to be analyzed by all the medical staffs and then make the determination. Each, Each doctor, each training staff will look at that just like, as scouts of football people, we look at the football stuff and we may see put different grades on players. Medical people will put different medical grades on players. It's not like, you know, they don't see the, they pretty much, the, the, the injury is the injury that's scientific and that's definitive, but how risky you think it is often can be very subjective. So uh, you see that, um, you see that uh, quite a bit going on right now. And, you know, right now it's a lot of what people want to know inside the league is, you know, what do you think is going to happen here? What do you think is going to happen there? Who might be available for us here, there? It's a lot of that that's going to be going on for the next couple of weeks as people are fine-tuning their boards. Is this the time also where 
I don't want to call it strategic leaks, but uh, information is put out there and you're trying to obviously get a reaction and seeing what's out there. The latest news was that, you know, Jerry Jones is infatuated with Kyle Pitts, but, you know, the Cowboys who's can't not. The, yeah, who's, who's not? not? <laughs> Everybody likes him. It's like, you know, so what? You know, he can be yeah, infatuated. Are they going to move infa- up from 10? He, he, he was infatuated with Johnny Manziel. Too, yeah, exactly. You know? um, no, they're not going to be in a position to go go up and get him. Um, nor is it the prudent move for them anyway, as they've got so many needs. And who couldn't use Pitts? I mean, he's just an outstanding talent, a big time weapon, but um, he's going to be out of reach for them. And you know, I think they'll be a really good defensive player for them. Or you know, we'll we'll see how else it. It's one of those spots though when you're talking eight, nine, ten. I was looking at it. Uh, a, a little bit earlier today is we're going to have, <laughs> I don't call it surprises, but people are going to throw it out as a surprise. It's always funny how you, you do the math folks and you look at it. it, it, it common sense is not everybody's go. We got like, you know, 10 guys that people are projecting going in the top five. Well, you know, whoever doesn't go in the top five, Oh, I can't believe fill in the blank drop. Well, no one's going to drop. I mean, it's, it's going to be, about how it plays out. I think we know where one, two, and probably three is going to be. Yeah. But where does four go? Um, you know, Atlanta's kind of shopping that to some degree. I think they want to see if they can get somebody to come up maybe for the quarterback. I think it's the most prudent move for them to stay there and take Panay Sewell. I think that's what they'll do, but maybe not. Maybe they'll do something else. If they get the right deal, then they may look at it and say it's worth moving down X spots. Um, but I think what we're going to see, Scott, is we're going to see two quarterbacks, two, any combination of Mac Jones, Trey Lance, and Justin Fields, two of them can't fit in the top three and not all of them can. Those are five. And again, five can't go in the three. So after three, then does Atlanta take one? Does somebody else take one? Does that leave one? who really say likes Justin Fields or Trey Lance that maybe has them high on their board that may want to move up a little bit. Let's keep an eye out on Washington. Let's keep an eye out on Philadelphia. Let's keep an eye out on Denver. You know, those are teams that might have some quarterback interest. I think it's a little too far to go for New England, but I think those things are intriguing. What if, by chance, Detroit, who I don't think they're going to do it, but what if they got a you know, Justin Fields with a really high grade, and he's the guy that slips. Or Lance, for example, would they want to make that move? Or, Scott, would one of those guys fall right in their lap at seven? Or, mm-hmm. you know, or Carolina, is they gonna, are they going to draft the quarterback even though they assigned, uh, they traded for Sam Donald? I don't think they will, but no, nothing definite. So I think that's where the intrigue is, is kind of a quarterback or two is going to, quote-unquote, slip. And then that that uh, that's a value of somebody. And and if they don't, and they one of those guys go higher, then somebody else is going to slip. That means a Jamar Chase or a Kyle Pitts or a Panay Sewell is going to go a little bit lower than maybe they probably should, because again, people are looking at this a little bit differently, with different objectives. What does your draft board say right now when it comes to Mac Jones versus Trey Lance versus Justin Fields? Well, I think Mac Jones is, again, if you're doing it for the league, and we're not, it's 
it, it's each team looks at it separately. For me, uh-huh. Mac Jones would be the fifth of the group, but would be the bottom of that group behind Lawrence and and uh, Wilson as well. Um, but not necessarily for a team like San Francisco. If what they want to run is the quick three five step pocket pass game, I think he can be very successful in a clean pocket. It's just universally overall, it's not – I think he's more of a high second-round value. I've got a 6-4 grade on him, high second-round value, only 24 first-round grades. He's going to go in the first round just how high. Uh, may go at three. Again, doesn't really matter. Good fit for San Francisco. If that's what they want, that's fine. But if you look at overall, I, I don't think many people would have him there. And that's the guy that maybe is the most intriguing, isn't it? If he doesn't go, I don't know where he slips to. Mm-hmm. I don't know that anybody's moving up for him. Uh, maybe, maybe a team like New England would. Would you? Could you move up? Only have to move up and say the top fifteen to get him. I, I, I think. Of the five, he's the least most athletically gifted. So he's he's not as athletically gifted, doesn't have as much upside, but he's got a lot of, from the neck up, probably the most prepared, see the field, understands the game's the best. So it really is about what you're looking for, and I do think he'll have success if he's with the right team. And I do think in San Francisco that could be uh, the right pick for him. But just – you know, this is the this is the the thought of well, I can't see Mac Jones as the number three pick. Well, probably no one else does. Yeah, San Francisco, and if they got the third pick, and that's what they do, and we don't know that. There's a lot of assumption to that, but I think if they take him, that's the reason. That's what they see in him, not necessarily that is the universal pick in the league. Because I can tell you that it's not. Would you be surprised if they didn't go quarterback at three? If they just stuck with Jimmy I, I, Garoppolo? I would be surprised, not okay. shocked, but I wouldn't be surprised. Look, as I said a couple of weeks ago when they made that move, Scott, here's what I know for certain in this world of uncertainty. They moved up to three because their board said there are three guys that they really like, and yeah. they're guaranteed to get one of them. Now, we assume, and I think it's a fair assumption, that they really like three quarterbacks. So I do think they make the move up for the quarterback, but would it be completely like out of left field if they said, you know what? Got a good offensive line, but we see Panay Sewell as the next Jonathan Ogden. We mm-hmm. see Jamar mm-hmm. Chase as a great, you know, talent. Um, or we want to put Kyle Pitts with Greg George Kittle and have a dynamic one-two punch. Excuse but, me. Yes. Yeah. You know, none of those picks those players are great. And while it would be a surprise and it would be the talk of the top of the draft, it wouldn't shock me because you can make a case and make sense out of any of those picks, quite frankly, even though it would seem that they are looking at the quarterback position and they've really targeted three guys that they really like. And I I don't know who that third guy is, but maybe it is Mac Jones. Maybe it is Lance. Maybe it is Fields. But we'll see. I I would be surprised, yes, not shocked. Okay. Uh, is there a player that you have graded in the top, you know, five, six of, of your draft board 
that you would be surprised if they dropped. And they could drop based off of, you know, things that happen. Like, for instance, Panay Sewell, I'm sure you have an elite grade on, mm-hmm. right? If we, if the quarterbacks go as we expect, one, two, three, and then let's say sitting there at four and five, it's going to wind up being Pitts and maybe Chase. Would you be like really surprised if Panay Sewell fell out of the top five of the draft? Is he that elite of a tackle that he belongs in that top five? He belongs in the top five as one of the best players. But to your point, no, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I'll create the scenario for you. We just went through the top three. Yes. Fourth pick goes quarterback. Atlanta goes quarterback, or they trade to somebody that goes quarterback. Okay. Cincinnati at five. think Panacea would be great. What I'm sensing from the Bengals, they may be a little bit gun shy about the tackle position. Remember, they took two pretty high, didn't work. I think they're leaning towards Jamar Chase. Reuniting him, reuniting him with Joe Burrow. Yeah, over Pitts or anybody. So if it's quarterback, 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 and Jamar Chase, <sighs> then you're sitting there and Panacea's there at five, excuse me, at six. Um, would the Dolphins take, at that point, the board screams at him, <laughs> stool or Pitts? And I don't know for what they want to do. If they may not say, we may go pits. I don't know. So would you? It, would it be possible that you know? And then, and then, of course, at that stage, you know, Detroit, you know, uh, could could I paint a scenario? And I'm doing it where Sewell could drop to six or seven or eight. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, Oof. I don't, I don't think that is. But just do the math. Yeah, the quarterbacks go there. Somebody says, I can't pass on pitch. I can't pass on chase. Well, then you got four quarterbacks. Those are two more. That's six. Uh, it's pure numbers. That puts somebody at seven. Pitch, chase, uh, Sewell, or one of the quarterbacks. And it still leaves another of the quarterbacks. So, I mean, you start looking at it. Yeah, it's very, very possible. And, uh, and it's all due to the fact that the quarterback position is – and always will be overvalued because of the importance of it. Yeah. And then well, could you imagine someone getting a heck of a player like Sewell uh, towards the end of the first, towards the end of the top 10 there, you know, in that seven, eight, nine range. Uh, sure. That's, that's a heck well, of a and, and, and that's one of those two where you look at it and somebody says, well, you know, I got to move up two or three spots to get him because, you know, somebody's, you know, he's, he's number two on their board. And, you know, if you're sitting there, you want to, you want to, you know, make a move there. I, I I think there's there's definitely would be some interest there by by quite a few folks. You're, you're correct. Well, that's tremendous. Uh, any other players that are not being talked about that you have circled on your board as players that make an impact right away? Uh, you know, someone that could probably go towards the later end of the first round, maybe in that 20 to 25 range, but that you see as an impact player in year one as a rookie. Well, I think, uh, gosh, there's a few. So I think um, if you're looking at, I, I'll give you somebody that probably is not on ev- on everybody's list. And I don't know if he fits the category of, of somebody that will make an immediate impact, but it's a really good player. And that he may be the second best offensive lineman in this draft, and that's the Vera Tucker, Vera Tucker kid at USC. Um, you know, he may be as is, is, is you know, I think Slater may go higher because he's a tackle. 
Okay. But I think he's one of them that can be really effective early. Uh, I do think you've got um, some valued corners. I think Sertan. I think if, depending on how his medical shows up on uh, your your board, um, Caleb Farley wouldn't shock me if he's the first corner take. And I think he is right there with the same grade for me and Sertan. I think Micah Parsons. Well, these are comes, these are first year starters. These guys. Yeah, I think absolutely. I think Micah Parkins comes in and helps somebody right away. The linebacker at Penn State. Um, so those are some guys. I think Javian Collins of of Tulsa is a guy that can come in and help you right away. I think um, I think Najee Harris can be a feature back for somebody mm-hmm. right away. Um, I, I think those guys really really jump out. I mean, I give you. Somebody, um, a news rookie of Washington, a defensive tackle that I think can help some people right away. And I think he's somebody that I've got out of the top 30 on my board, but is because a number is in the, at his position, I think it's probably going to go in the first round and really help somebody. So those are some folks. There's some, I think there's some good corners. The, the two that I mentioned, plus JC Horn of, um, the Joe Horn's kid out of South Carolina, um, Trevon Morig, I think, is a good player at TCU that can really help uh, people at safety at a tough position to play early. So, yeah, I do I do think there's some guys. I think there's value middle and late first round at edge rushers, not not in the top, top dozen or so. I don't think there's a great value there for those guys. All right, here's a question I'm going to ask you, and it might come down to one player, but – does Alabama get over or under four and a half guys drafted in the first round? And it's going to come down to one player, because I think we can agree that going in the first round uh, from Alabama will be Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle, as well as Patrick Sertan, right? Those three are, are going to be first round picks. Mac Jones, we expect to be a first round pick as the fourth guy. So I guess it comes down to whether or not you think somebody will take Christian Barmore in the first round. Does Alabama get five guys taken in the first round, Chris? Yeah, I think there's a good chance. You mentioned um, Devontae, Waddle, Sertan, I think Najee Harris. Oh, Najee and, as well. Okay. And, and Mac Jones. So I think those, I think then, those are five, and I think, I think six would be Barmore. And I will say this um, – if you look at value, um, mm-hmm. I got a high second round value on Landon Dickerson. I think he's the best center in this draft. Mm. I wouldn't rule out late first round somebody taking him. So I would say five, maybe six, and an outside shot at seven. Wow. Yeah. We're talking LSU category from a year ago with all mm-hmm. the first round picks that uh, that, that they had. Um, let's move off the, the, the draft stuff here for a second, Chris, some interesting nuggets around the NFL, uh, Julian Edelman announcing his retirement. The big question that fans are debating is, is he a hall of famer? Is Julian Edelman a hall of fame wide receiver in your eyes? No, no, I think he's really good. Um, and I, you know, my theory is if you got to ask a chancer, I mean, I think if it's to me, hall of famers are. You know, I mean, need to ask out the best of their era. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think that he's very good. I, I think that um, he performed well in the playoffs. I think he was outstanding. It, it is not a insult to say this guy is 
really good player, maybe even at times great, and was a focal point of their passing game. It's not an insult to say, but he's not a Hall of Famer. Um, I, I don't see him as that type of guy. I, I do not. I think he's he's really, really good. So the Hall of very good, the Hall of maybe, you know, great. Yeah, uh, Hall of Fame, no. Okay. Uh, uh, elsewhere good. elsewhere around the league, the Cardinals signed James Conner. Um, can he have an impact on that team right away? I think he can help him. I think James is a really solid number two guy that can get you number one snaps. I think he's got good uh, run vision instincts as an inside runner. I think he can help him. Um, you know, uh, I think that you can play him on early downs. I think he'll take some snaps away from Chase Edmonds. Um, but I still think Edmonds is going to get more touches than he does. So I think it's a good fit for him. Uh, I think have a, a role, not necessarily a huge impact, but a role that can help this team that, you know, you're talking about something. I was thinking about this the other day, you know, pick a team that you really like in the NFC West. And, you know, you can look at Seattle and what they need, and you can look at the Niners and bouncing back off of an awful year of injuries. You look at the Rams and some of the changes they've made, the quarterback, and you got Arizona. I mean, mm. anybody that you don't like, I mean, right now, Let's see, stay tuned to see what happens in the draft. But all, the, all four of those teams, much like I thought at the beginning of last year, all those teams were pretty good and had a chance. Now, as the attrition takes place, you see some fall by the wayside. But um, just to kind of branch it out in that division, that's going to be another competitive and I think yeah. division again. Maybe J.J. Watt was uh, smarter than all of us after all and picking the yeah. right team there. Yeah, no question. <laughs> um, elsewhere, Thaddeus Moss now with the Cincinnati Bengals reuniting with his college quarterback in Joe Burrow. This is a guy who didn't play. He was on. He was hurt, really, for, for Washington. Um, I guess they just – why did they waive him and, and was this a – you know, no brainer pickup for Cincinnati. Hey, well, you know, uh, the injuries are a factor. Never really developed. Thaddeus can't run a whole run very well. Uh, he's got really sure hands, um, but he's got limitations there. Remember, he was he was an undrafted guy, yeah. uh, and, and rightly so. I, I think he deserves a. It's not about deserving a shot. Is he? Is he represent some value as a guy that can catch the football? Yes. He's going to really have to make like all those guys in that situation make an impact on special teams, and he's going to have to be a really good third down receiver, good possession receiver from a flex position because he's like a lot of those flex guys that are a little bit undersized. Mm-hmm. What, what what is he? He's not an inline guy that's really strong as a blocker, and he's not the guy that can stretch the field athletically. So he's, he got to scheme him open, but boy, can he catch the football? He's got really good yeah. natural hands. He doesn't have hands like his dad, but very <laughs> good. I, exactly. I, think, I think in terms of picking him up on waivers, signing him as an undrafted free agent as Washington did makes all the sense and hopes that maybe you can find a role for him. Um, no, I, I recommended him. Uh, I just don't know that he, he's the type of player that can have an impact for you. You got to scheme him to be open, and I think if you've got enough weapons, then he can maybe find some soft spots in zone coverage uh, and take advantage of it. Uh, you know, I think it, against smaller defenders, he can uh, he can high point the ball and and be really good in traffic. 
Uh, other elsewhere around the league, as we touch on some of the news and notes here, um, a couple of teams released statements: Broncos, Seahawks, Bucks, about players not reporting to voluntary offseason workouts. Now, again, the key word is voluntary. Uh, this is not something the players are going to get fined for. It's not something that uh, would be. It's not breaking news that players are missing voluntary workouts. It happens every single year. But for and I guess it's okay for maybe a veteran team like, you know, Bucks just won a Super Bowl, obviously, and you have veterans on that team, Seattle as well. You know, for a team like Denver, maybe you'd want to get some guys together and work out a little bit. But what really what really is the importance of these workouts at this point now, Chris? I think when you have certain – I think the importance is getting together, not just the camaraderie, but – I think, um, you know, in certain positions, working on timing, I think really developing that cohesiveness as a team is important. I do believe that off-season conditioning and workouts are very important. And I think we've gone away from the off-season work, and I think it really has delayed the impact, the early part of, of, of a season of a team. And that's why I think developing towards the end is so important. Um, so I think it's important. Um I, I do agree with you that when I see a young team and I see issues, I wonder where's the leadership because mm-hmm. that's leadership that comes from the players. Hey, come on, let's get together. You know, why don't we get to, you know, it's kind of like it's, that's where it's got to come from. And you wonder a little bit of kind of where some of those teams where you've got a lot of missing guys are. Now, look, I mean, let's call it like it is too. There's certain places where you've got some advantages. I think that if you're uh, in warm weather cities, particularly in Florida, where it's attractive to live, you maybe can get guys to become more involved because they're closer there. Getting guys to go into northern climates that maybe are not places that are fun places to live in the offseason, tougher to get guys to go there. That's why um, I think you know in introducing some of these clauses and contract and workout bonuses and things uh, used to be something that was really important. Now that becomes a factor in your your salary cap too, so it's a little bit tougher to to work that. But I think that's an advantage that you have if you got players that live, you know, nearer to where you work, or at least you know one flight. You know, so many players like live in the South and like Atlanta. You can, you know, uh, it's amazing. I think Atlanta leads the cities of players that don't play for Atlanta. If you said, which city do they live the most in? I think Atlanta used to be. And what's good about places like that is you're, you know, you're a direct flight away from getting in, you know, getting anywhere, anytime. Whereas if you live in other places, you know, connecting flights and not that may take all day to get out somewhere. Yeah. Uh, What I hate happens, what what happens and I hate it is where guys show up to, to training camp out of shape because they consider training camp that time for them to get in shape and get ready for the season. I hate that because I think if you show up to camp in shape, well, then you use that training camp time to now get get in the playbook, work on timing, you know, get your body football ready because football shape and in shape are two different things. And you have such an advantage to start a football season, whereas if you're using that first couple of weeks just to lose some pounds and get in actual physical shape, I think you should be doing that in these voluntary off-season workouts so that when you show up to training camp, 
You're not, it's, you're not using that time just to get in shape. And I see it happen all across the league with so many guys. You know what? Hey, I'm going to wait till training camp, and that's when I'm going to get in shape, Chris. Yeah, and guys that do that uh, are risking their future unless they're an elite player, and usually the elite players don't, don't act that way. Um, that's a good way to lose your job. That's a good way to end your career a couple of years shorter. If you're, you know, and, and quite frankly, Scott, that's why some of these eye-raising cuts are the direct result of that. Okay, so they're guys that they don't have it made. Look, there's some guys, and we all know there's some on every team that you can look and say they pretty much got the team made. And if they know that and they're of that type and take that attitude, it doesn't mean they won't make the team. They still probably will, and they can get away with what you just said. Mm-hmm. Most can't. It's certainly not recommended for a young guy that's got to uh, prove themselves. So, yeah. no, it is it is not a smart thing to do, uh, and it is very, very risky. And, look, you, you're correct. It's like uh, injuries. If you're spending your time rehabbing, if you're spending your time getting yourself in shape, you can't advance your ability to perform in practice as well as if you show up in shape. And, look, there are – there's – cardiovascular shape there's football shape but you're right if you're in good shape going in you're quicker up to speed and I'm fine with a veteran guy once you're able to work and develop enough to be able to give some of those veterans some time off to make sure that you are peaking and are in maximum health potential in the latter part of the season but you still, there's still a certain amount of work that you got to get done. And if you don't get it done, I think it's uh, at your own peril personally. Let's talk a little college football, Chris. Uh, The American Athletic Conference made an announcement joining the MAC and the ACC in allowing student athletes to transfer within the conference without using, uh, losing a year of eligibility. They could play right away. Now the NCAA is expected to vote on a, a new transfer rule, but I think it's only it's one time they're allowing student athletes to transfer one time within their eligibility window and they can play right away without having to sit out a year. How big of a game changer is this? Well, it's big. I think we've gone down the path of transfers where I don't think people realize, and I think most people like it. Most people because on the surface they say, oh, it's great. Why why shouldn't players have a chance to leave and go somewhere else? A student can do it. Coaches can do it. What they miss, and in my belief, is that we've gone down a path that I think um, I think it's taken us down a path that's maybe a little bit far down the rabbit hole, quite frankly, in that I think we got most of the players, maybe not the players that – the fans are familiar with, but most of the players don't end up having a home uh, because they're not going to be a scholarship that's going to be left for them back at the place that they're leaving. So they mm-hmm. go somewhere else. And then there you go. Um, I do think being able to go and be eligible immediately. I mean, in theory, it's fine in practicality. I think there's difficulties and I do think there needs to, I do think that we're, and this is the old school guy in me. I think that it's too easy for guys to transfer. Mm-hmm. They transfer and then they regret it and then it's too late. And and there's nothing you can do about it. I think that, you know, it, it would make players better and I think it would make them better prepared for life and for football 
if they stuck it out more. Yeah. I think if they were forced to stick it out more, the majority of them would be say, boy, I'm glad I didn't leave because look, look at my situation here. Look at Mac Jones. Mac Jones had every reason to not wait his time at Alabama. And, you know, he could have he could have gone to Kentucky out of high school. And, you know, that was the the, the school that really wanted him probably the most since Alabama came on him. And and they could have transferred. He could have did okay, he stayed. Um says a lot for him. Look at the other guys that Alabama had. Um that maybe in the past um, transferred and, and it didn't work out. The grass is not always greener. Sometimes it's better to stick it out. And I think that we're, we're kind of giving them it's the freedom to go ahead and hang themselves. And yet, you know, I, I realize that they're college students are not kids, but uh, as a coach, you tend to look at them as some are your own. Anybody out there that has a kid, um, would appreciate what I'm about to say is you want to protect them from hurting themselves. Mm-hmm. You want to protect them from making mistakes. You want to make sure that you, you get them to think about it over and over again about, do you really want to do this? And, and I, I think, you know, Scott, you, you might be making a mistake. I mean, I, I think, I think that that is being looked at as selfish when it's really not. It's really something that I think the kid needs to hear. Look, I think there's some kids that need to, to, to leave. I think there's some kids that it's not a fit and they ought to have the freedom to do it. But I think there needs to be a little bit more of a case-by-case situation. Let me tell you what's happening as a result of this. For the people that think it's a good thing for kids, people that think the, it is the opposite because here's what is happening in real world college football. College coaches are saying, um, they're getting into the meetings and saying, these six guys don't really fit us. Mm. We want their scholarships. So you go in and bring old Scott in and say, Scott, I, we're going to help you transfer. You're not a real fit here. Guess what? So you're, the schools are essentially helping those kids to transfer to get out because they don't really want them. They rather have the Scott his scholarship so they can go and give it to someone else. Is that really a good thing? Is that really honoring the scholarship? Is that really helping the student? I, I don't know. I think that those are all things that are taking place that I don't think people they don't get to see behind the curtain. I I see that a lot, and it's it's not a good situation and. It's a, basically a license to not honor a scholarship. When I was coaching, and I'm not saying it was better than, Scott, if you didn't honor a scholarship of the player, good luck going back into that high school again. Because yeah. I mean, you didn't take it. Now it is fully understandable. In fact, expected that this guy doesn't win the starting job, he's going to leave. If this guy is not good enough, I'm going to I'm gonna push him out the door to leave so I can get a scholarship and I can go <laughs> somewhere else. I don't know that that's the best thing for the sport or best things for the kids. So be careful what you wish for is what I say. Yeah, that's a dangerous, uh, it's, it's a dangerous path that maybe they're walking down. Um, speaking of uh, coaching and college, a guy that you drafted, Eddie George, is now going to be the head coach at Tennessee State. Did you ever see Eddie as having a future in coaching? No, I never um, had any inkling that he had any interest. In fact, you know, uh, he didn't have any interest. I I think it's happened um, kind of organically. Um, 
I, you know, he's, he's deeply rooted in Nashville, got a lot of business interests. He's done a lot of things in New York and acting a lot of, a lot of business interests. I think it's become a little bit of an intriguing, call it a trend with Dion and now, now yeah. uh, Eddie, that the HBCUs, there's some, some more governmental funds that are going to some of those schools um, that they think that those schools, I think, are looking at a way to maybe make themselves a little bit more noticeable. You know, yeah. we talked about it with Dion. With Dion, we know that's that's a that's publicity. Barstool Sports has got a camera everywhere they go. Mm-hmm. So you get more about Jackson State that you ever knew before. They happen to, ironically, in this weird year, be able to do it in the spring where maybe more people are watching than they would normally. But kind of like that show that they did um, with, with the junior college and all that on the well, next whatever. Chance, yeah. This is kind of what Jackson State is doing. Now, I don't know what Tennessee State will have in mind. Tennessee State, by the way, historically has more – um, historically, uh, NFL players of all the HBCU um, schools, Tennessee State has. I mean, going going back in the day, I think it's a little bit more figurehead head coaches, where I don't I don't see them necessarily grinding and doing all those things. But there's certain things you're going to have to. There's certain things that you're going to have to take phone calls from parents. You're going to have to do that. I think Eddie is really big into kind of leadership. He's big into kind of mentorship. And I think that's what drew him to this. I don't know that it's the grind of the football, but the maybe using this forum to help. And that's what he was sold on. And I think that's what the school's looking into. I think that he'll be able to attract and put together a pretty good and impressive staff. Mm-hmm. And so if it allows them to recruit on maybe a different level, um, like uh, say, you know, Jackson State's doing, maybe we'll see a little bit more of that. Um, I'm just curious to see how it works out, but I'm, I am definitely surprised that, uh, that it ended up being coaching and, and listening to him. He seemed that he seemed as surprised as anybody. In fact, he said that it happened. He was offered and he said, no. And he's, his wife talked him into it. That <laughs> it be a really good opportunity. And why don't you do this? And then it just went down that road. Before we get out of here, let's answer a question uh, from uh, Fantasy Football 101, one of our loyal fans. Uh, he wants to know what offense would Waddle flourish in as well as Devontae Smith, two guys we talked about earlier. One is a Z, the other is an X slash Z. What's the best landing spot for both of the Alabama wide receivers, Chris? Well, both of them, Devontae could play all three spots, X, Z, and slot. Um, Waddle could do the same and Waddle is Waddle is pro bowl returner right away. Um, there is, there's no scheme specific. These guys can fit anywhere. Um, obviously, uh, you know, they're both big time playmakers. If you are looking for a bigger receiver, then these are not the ideal fit. So if you've got mm-hmm. those guys, I mean, if you're Kansas City, I mean, Kansas City would just add these guys and just that's what <laughs> they do. And they collect these guys. But, you know, Waddle could be like Tyreek Hill. I mean, this guy could be – this guy's phenomenally quick and fast and is an unbelievable returner. And they both have great versatility. So, I mean, look, just pick it. I mean, 
anybody. I mean, it won't last long, but Miami and uh, Detroit and Carolina and, you know, I mean, you just name it, any of those teams. So this is not a, you know, it's not a scheme specific. These guys can really fit, particularly in three wide receiver systems. Yeah, absolutely. So on LandryFootball.com right now, it's, I'm sure it's very draft heavy. Where's our focus now? Two weeks out from the NFL draft, medical well, stuff, things like that. Yeah, we do. We got keeping everybody up to date in our notebooks at, at the, on the uh, LandryFootball.com. We have all the draft boards and all the scouting reports. So you want to know the horizontal board. You want to know where the top overall players are graded. You want to know by position where they graded. You want scouting reports on every player from the first pick to guys that are going to be undrafted free agents. Got it for you there. So check it out today. One-stop shopping football. One-stop shopping for the draft. We're going to have the on-the-clock Inside the draft room feature on all 32 teams, updated needs, the key targets, who would be good fits for them, all those sorts of things. Yeah, we'll get into, quote, unquote, some of the mock draft stuff, but but really I do the mock drafts or the analysis a little bit different. So what you want to know out there, truly, if you're a Cowboy fan, what are the options? Okay, yeah, you can just say Patrick Sertan. Well, what if Sertan goes earlier? Well, then what are the other options? Would they go with Farley? Would they go off that? I try to say, all right, look, I think this is a good fit. If he's gone, look for this. If so-and-so slips, maybe they would move up. If 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 these two, two, three guys are gone, maybe they'd move down. So what I try to do is take you inside each of the 32 draft rooms to give you a good feel for it. So there, as you mentioned, Scott, very draft heavy, but we've got in our notebooks every day um, the latest news and notes on uh, signings and visits and other uh, rumors going on uh, around leading to the draft college notebook. We've got a lot of draft stuff there along with recruiting information as well. The dead period's over now, at, excuse me, as of the end of May uh, and obviously spring practice stuff. And we'll get in a lot of the spring practice film review and game review after I put the draft to bed. So it's a great time to be on board. Uh, we always think it's a good time, but check out the scouting season offer. Uh, we're going to get you all the information you need to know to be an expert on the NFL draft and all the players in it and all the teams in their decision-making process. Alabama number one class recruiting. Well, uh, yeah, off this past year, going into next year, Still too early right now. I you know right now they're not because they're they don't have. I think they're they're one of the top six or eight. But uh -huh. I think the storyline is going to be you know we know that when the twenty two class is done, they'll be there. What's really interesting is the schools that are off to a really good start. Can they finish? Can Florida State finish? How about Rutgers getting a post? Yeah, I was, I was, I was about to say that. I was so about to say guys, that, yeah. guys, teams like that, programs like that, how can they finish? Because, you know, remember Tennessee was off to an early start. You know, obviously with all the turmoil that they had, the recruiting class wasn't – was good, but certainly by SEC standards wasn't nearly as good as it they had hoped to be. So let's see how it plays out. But, yeah, the rich are getting richer in recruiting, no doubt. But it's finding those other schools that are taking a step up. We kind of got that charted for you as well. Yeah, how about them Scarlet Knights and Greg Shiano? There you go, job. Greg. Absolutely. No doubt. Job. 
bring back some pride to Jersey. Uh, yeah. Keep some of, keeps keeping some of these kids in state too. Kept a couple of the uh, couple of top kids in state. That's huge. That's yeah. huge. He did Absolutely. that before. I'm telling you, I'm I, I am really impressed with what he's doing in rec- he and his staff are doing in recruiting. I really am. You know, you can just be competitive. Um, it's a different ball game doing it in the Big Ten. You're at least selling the Big Ten now. You've got more in recruiting to sell. But quite frankly, you're going to need that because week in and week out in the Big Ten is going to be tougher than it was in the Big East days. Yep. So they're going to have to recruit well to, to not be in the upper echelon of the Big Ten, but to get out of the basement of the Big Ten. Yeah, I and mean, that's all you want to do is just be relevant or just not be a doormat. Competitive, <laughs> yeah. Go to bowl games. Absolutely. You can have a great career there, no doubt. Well, head to LandryFootball.com for all of that great information. You'll be the smartest football fan in the room with the membership to LandryFootball.com. You can follow Chris on Twitter at LandryFootball for all the latest breaking news and analysis. You can follow me at Scott's on Air. And be sure to subscribe and follow the Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash ChrisLandryFootball for all of our show offerings. You can catch the replays. You'll enjoy everything that we provide for you there on the Twitch channel at ChrisLandryFootball. And, of course, if you want to listen to the shows and podcast format subscribe to landry football's conference call wherever you get your podcasts from don checking in in our chat room hey don good to see you uh next time you know show up when we go on live <laughs> yeah. but you catch the replay and you we, let us we, know what you think okay we, we, we were a little late today yes, uh, yes obviously so we appreciate everybody adjusting to us we normally or at uh, 5 to 6 Central. Well, we may adjust that again, uh, depending on Scott's schedule too, but we we are always here. That's why you got to do like uh, like Don does. Hey, sign up so yes. you get, get noticed, notified uh, when you go on. So if you're like Fantasy Football 101, you know, you, you get that notification. So there's no question uh, that, that you'd be able to get the access to it, know when it's coming. And we're going to keep uh, keep bringing, bringing you all the great information and analysis as we lead up until the NFL draft, answer your questions and respond to your comments as well. So you want to make sure that you join us in the chat room on the Twitch channel uh, when we go live on Tuesday nights leading up until the NFL draft. We're going to be doing a lot of great stuff leading up. Chris, I know you have some extra broadcast. Yeah, yeah in fact, uh, you know, Don is listening to Don uh, – who's a great Twitch partner at we, uh, that signed us up there. We are looking into – Don wanted me to do a draft show um, every day the week prior to the draft coming up and then the week of the draft. So uh, we are working on that. And uh, so look for that, a version of the, the Scouts Film Room show that I do. We'll do that five days a week, week prior to the draft and week of the draft. If that's still on schedule, that's something to look forward to um for us that uh, i think folks will, will absolutely enjoy as the speculation will will be ramped up there yes yes colin says he's gonna get you busy real soon he said and uh, typhoon <laughs> wants us to go live for the draft he said he'd rather watch us than espn well maybe that's something we'll think about well we, we, we'll think about that let's uh Matt, yeah, we we got my two guys. Yeah, I got that uh, i got scotty got it and then uh with don we'll figure out if we could maybe do something like that uh, might be able to do that. I probably um, would uh, would do it and would consider doing it. A little programming on the air would probably need a partner simply because I may have to answer some texts from draft rooms. So don't want the dead air. But you know what? It's actually not a bad idea. Uh, we'll kind of send us your feedback, folks. If if you'd like that, maybe we'll look into that, and that's something we could pull off. If not this year, certainly in the future. 
Absolutely. All right, everybody, you know where to follow us at twitch.tv slash Chris Landry football at Landry football at Scott's on air on Twitter. And we'll talk to you next Tuesday right here inside the football film room. See you next week, Chris. You bet. Thank you, Scott. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.